you are listening to masters decoded podcast series i'm your host and the chief decoder anis merchant through this podcast i bring in guests who are successful in a different walk of life to decode and map out their careers and journeys with the hope that we gain all our learnings the world around us is changing exponentially and how the impact of artificial intelligence technology and other socio-economic factors have either influenced or enhanced my guest careers in today's episode i have invited pralat kakkar also fondly called pk who know him well pk a visionary an artist a movie maker and a brand builder is a leading indian ad film director best known for his work on the famous pepsi tv commercial with amitabh bachchan and sachin tendulkar he's the founder and principal director of genesis film productions one of india's leading production houses established in 1977 he's renowned for his candid and outspoken nature an avid scuba driver in 1995 he set up lakadives a scuba diving school along with his wife Mitali Kakkar at Katmat Island in collaboration with the government of Lakshadweep he also runs a coffee shop and Casa Amor a wine bar and restaurant set up in Mumbai in 2001 i have had fun and i don't think i had laughed so much when i had a conversation with my guest before this discussion started there were many other interesting conversations I would be releasing it in midweek to do a show reel almost like a backstage scoop and without much further ado let me get on with it Hi PK welcome to Master Decoded podcast series Thank you <laughs> Thank you for taking time out I know uh, these are interesting times but uh, you are a man of many things uh, and you've been you have your hands fingers in many things today So thank you for taking time out today and I'm really glad to have you on the show today. Not at all my uh, publisher is going to pursue because I'm supposed to be finishing my second chapter of my memoirs of my book of how I grew up. It's sounding more and more pornographic and I'm wondering whether it would have a cardiac. <laughs> <laughs> and just before this you kind of painted a picture of your adjectives in Bombay, right? I like that was Very, yeah. I, I'm sure your book is going to be fun, and I would definitely look forward to that memoir, right? So, talking about memoir, right? You started in 1970s when TV was actually not there in India, right? When, not there, yes. Yeah, we I, we actually invented the format for TV with yeah. a series of films for uh, for uh, what do you call um, uh, paint a paint company? Yeah, you know, and uh, we had to try and sell. colors and paints and all uh, uh, without in black and white yeah and it was quite a challenge and we actually managed it and I, those films are very dear to me because it's the first time uh, durashan accepted uh, advertising on themselves because mm. they were little they didn't quite like it because advertising you know has always been knocked around it's, it's yep. the it's the uh, it's the idiot in the in the room Yeah. So when when you have nobody else to blame, you blame it on advertising. Yeah, yes, of the car and color cheese and and when the t- cricket team you loses, guess who they blame? Yeah, they blame. Yeah, ads are. Yeah, ads are. They practice. Not practice. 
and you've done a lot of ads with the cricketers so i can i know yes, that what you're talking about yeah exactly so i mean when i heard you read about it in the press and say oh these guys going concentrating on the game and okay. you're doing far too busy earning money in doing ads and this that okay. so what's wrong with you guys are in 360 days of the year you mean to say they can't take 10 days off to recreate what how many days of um, year do you take from your offices does that mean that you're not being responsible that you're being irresponsible as a matter of fact if you drink don't take time out then you're being irresponsible because you're going to burn out yeah so 1970s to 2020 now uh, Yeah. You've seen advertisement evolve like leaps and bounds, uh, and we were just talking about this earlier. The advertisements which you created, at least it lives in my heart still. There are many of them, and you spoke about that advertisement on pain, and I saw that ad by the way, a uh, couple of Jensen days. Yes, Nicholson. Back. Yes. Yes, uh, and it was uh, Dalit Sahil in that. Uh, Correct. Right? Absolutely. And it's all about his uh, kids and. Blue, it's a boy. A blue, pink and blue. Yes, yeah. correct, correct, right. correct, correct. And he gets a turn. Before we proceed, why not get a preview to the Jensen Payne ad, and I'm sure you'll be able to see the color through your ears. Such a lovely shade. So it's pink. Let's have blue. No, okay. If it's a boy, blue. If it's a girl, pink. Okay. This way, madam. Congratulations. Pink or blue? I mean, is it a boy or a girl? Twins, a boy and a girl. <laughs> Pink, blue, and 118 are the shades. You know, when I looked at that ad, you know, it was black and white, like you said. But Correct. the story, the way it got told, the colors were automatically there in my mind. It was they, not there. They were there. Phys- uh, visually, exactly. but you almost evoked other senses. Now, if you just take a leaf from there, and let's say the world goes black and white. Today anything can happen, right? With the scenario we are in, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if it goes black and white, do you think the advertisers will survive today with what's going on and the quality of advertisement? Yeah, they, they'll have to go backwards, not forward. Hmm. You know, when you were limited by black and white, mm-hmm. your content had to be absolutely tip top. Hmm. When you can lure a consumer with color yeah. and with you know um, uh, lusciousness and with uh, food and with sauces and with this that not with just the sheer um, uh, you know with, with the with where you could taste the food yep. because it's become a speciality now then you can actually seduce them with the color hmm. when you don't have a color to help you seduce anybody you go back to writing love letters no <laughs> how many people write write love letters today? very few without fact, realizing that the worst yeah, thing they will exactly. write is a whatsapp message which is abbreviated also no no which is precisely i i'm i'm running a, a college of mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and branding wow and i got 75 of my students mm-hmm. the other day on a on a chat call like this okay. and said okay what is it that makes a letter so special compared to your chats or whatever else it is so i read them some letters mm-hmm. one of Uh, Amitabh Bachchan to his granddaughter, mm-hmm. which was actually Amitabh Bachchan to all granddaughters. Yes. Okay. Which actually moved you so much because it's so evocative. Yeah. Then I read a letter of Nehru from jail writing to his daughter Indira, mm. as to how she must conduct herself and why she's so important because she's at a time of history 
where, where this country is poised on the brink of greatness. Hmm. And she's going to be a part of that history. Okay. So these things don't repeat themselves in the, in, in the, in the yep. history of a country when yep. you get your independence. So he is evoking in her nationalism, evoking in her responsibility, evoking her the memory of the fact that so many people have struggled, so many people have died, and Bapu has read, led this whole movement across the country without violence. Yeah. Okay? Now, that letter itself is so telling. We've forgotten what Nehru wrote from jail to his daughter. Hmm. And then the third letter that I wrote out was actually a poem, which was a poem written by Rudyard Kipling for his son, yep. which said, if, okay, yep. if you can do this, if you can do that, if you then, then yep. you are a man, my son. Yeah. You know? So if you can treat both success and failure as the fraud that they both are yep. equally, and you can fill the one minute of time with 60 seconds of effort, then you will be a man, my son. Hmm. Now, that is forever. It's indelible. I mean, even today, whatever you are saying is true. Yeah. It's very difficult to follow everything that he advised his son to be. So I would be very surprised if his son actually even followed one-tenth of that. Hmm. But by reading it and by passing out even one-tenth of it is, is massive. Hmm. And it leaves a huge impression. So I said, just imagine, okay, to you guys, it might not make a difference writing a letter to your teacher anymore, okay, because your teacher is online. Yep. But it will make a difference rather than sending slutty messages to your girlfriend or, or some lady that you uh, that you desire. Correct. You know, uh, why don't you write her a letter in longhand with a fountain pen, not with a ball pen? Yeah. And tell her how much and how important she is in her life. You think she's going to erase the message? You think, even if she turns around and says no, supposing she says no, okay, is she not going to keep that letter? She will. She's going to keep that letter forever. When she's a grandmother, she'll show it to her grandchildren and say, see, I was hot. Everybody was chasing me when I was young. Yeah. And here's a letter to prove it. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are the things you preserve. You don't chuck away a letter which is written by hand, long hand. So what, what was the learning, uh, you know, and when you look at these young people who are trying to build a career in brand and... They, you know, I'll tell you something, the girls were moved enormously. Wow. The boys did not admit that they were moved, but I'm sure they were. Okay. So the fact is that the power of letter writing has never gone we just moved on and made uh, and said, okay, it's too much of an effort. Because when you write a letter, you have to actually bear it out. You have to write it rough, then correct everything that you want corrected, and then bear it out. Because you can't do kata pita in a, in a, in a uh, fountain pen letter, yes. because that looks really untidy. Yep. You have to then calligraph it so that it's readable. And you write a letter with far more care than you write an exam paper. Hmm. Because it means something. Yeah. And just the effort of writing the letter is what makes such a huge difference. Because regardless of what you say, regardless of whether you say it's evocative or not, the fact is that the person receiving it knows that a hell of an effort has gone into it and therefore they must be important to, to the person. You yeah. must be important to the person. 
And that is valuable. There is a value contained in the letter which isn't there in the digital medium. Yeah, and talking about this letter and this digital medium today, uh, PK, when you know when I look at TV, and I'm 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 not a expert. I would not call myself an expert in that space. However, when I look at you know you really lived an era and you continue to inspire people where you were building brands from nothing. You know I I you know I read few things where. You, that advertisement about Royal Enfield when, you know, they were getting beaten down right. by these 100 cc's or Pepsi coming into India when Coca-Cola was a prime brand. And, you know, these are traditional brands which like Goldspot or as, pardon me for that, but as stupid as EC Buzz, right? You made yes. it, you, as kids, there were jingles, right? Like people would rhyme them. Uh, and today, Correct. you know, how many ads People really remember in these DNA, uh, in these recent times, there are so many great ads which have come, but they've never left that mark in the heart as you're trying to say. Uh, you know, these letters which leave a mark in your heart, which you will treasure and always cherish. Correct. Correct. That's a big difference but, in value. But that's what ads should be. Yeah. In terms of that they reach out, you know, you see, they, you, you never see who you're writing them to or making them for. In the middle of the night, in the darkness of a room, a TV screen is flickering and a man is sitting there all alone without his family and watching this TV screen and suddenly your ad pops up and his eyes well up with tears because he has remembered a significant incident in his life which is similar. Yeah. Okay? He will remember that ad for the rest of his life. Because you have reached out you have reached out and touched his life in an indelible manner. Now, that is the true test of good advertising. That you have to reach out in human terms and touch somebody, make them laugh, make them cry, make them smile, make them feel good about themselves, make them feel warm, make them say that, wow, look at that kid, man. I mean, he's, he's a winner. Yeah. You know, so uh, we've always used ourselves as the uh, uh, guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. And for reactions, I've always uh, got a performance from my actors and look back at my crew who's watching rapidly at what is going on on the camera. And if they're smiling or if they're nodding or if they're feeling good about it, I know we are, we, we are okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to do market research and say and ask people and get uh, uh, 15 housewives with one slightly uh, what do you call uh, uh, masculine chick who takes over the bloody argument and says, I hate this boy, I don't like this model. You know, all this shit because there, there is so much error, margin for error. Mm -hmm. What your instinct tells you when you look back at your crew yeah. and they're looking at a performance and a, and a punchline is delivered and they're all smiling. Yeah. And they've seen the rehearsal 15 times. It's not the first time that they're seeing it. Yeah. And they're still smiling. So then it's indelible. You know that you, you've got something on your hand which is, which is valuable because you've just managed to get it right. So when you walk onto a set with a script, you know, I'll tell you the difference actually. The real difference from when we started making movies and when 
uh, when today's kids are making movies. The real difference is about ownership. Mm -hmm. Today it's become commerce. Today it's a way to earn a living. Yeah. For us, we had to take a choice of being IAS, MBA, yeah. to, to being an ad filmmaker, like lightweight, yeah. Yeah. some flyweight. Yeah. You know, and because we wanted to do it with such, such passion, we fought our parents, we fought society, we fought our girlfriend's parents who said, why are you going out with such a loser? You know, what does he do for a living? Yeah. I mean, how long will you do this for? Yeah. You know, all that sort of shit, you know. So the whole industry was nascent. And nobody knew which way we could actually turn it. But because nobody knew, we were among the people who actually knew a little bit more than everybody else. Hmm. Now, when you got ownership of a, of a thing, I used to always look for that in my assistant. How many of them actually develop a sense of ownership? Because then I knew that they were okay. I taught them that. Hmm. Because ownership means that you fight for what you believe. Hmm. Ownership does not mean that you capitulate because the agency or the client and that's I don't like it. So you turn around and confront him. Say, why don't you like this? You know, there were many times in our careers because the, I remember uh, my first ad that I had to stand up for mm -hmm. was in my first job interview with Joe Chatterjee in Delhi. I'd walked into his office totally cold. Okay. And I'd looked at the receptionist. She had the best pair of legs I've ever seen. Okay. And I said, wow, I want to work here. Okay. So I asked her, I said, what do you do? So he says, we are an advertising agency. I said, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. They go, oh, we, we design ads for the products, etc., etc. The first time I'd heard of such a profession. So you, know, you, you because did? Because it was a very minor. So you never knew about it? minor profession. Of course not. I was, I was all set to become a banker. Wow. Okay. This is new. I never knew this. Okay. That's yes, because you know, if you look at what I did in college, I majored yeah. in economics, yeah. which was actually a fraud. Because I put economics in front because it, it sounded better than uh, military studies. Yeah. I studied military history as my major. Oh, wow. You know, and everybody said, you're mad. Yeah? What are you going to do with military history? So I, I, I know that what I'm talking about. Because I'm, I, 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 I know military history backwards. I'm interested in it. You know, I've studied the art of war. Hmm. So then they said, but what will you And now I'm giving lectures to the same jokers about branding, about strategy, about long-term strategy, about tactics, about how to fight, uh, what do you call, other brands, how to be a, a, a pirate brand, how to break rules, how to be a disruptor. Who do you think teaches you all that? It's only war that teaches you that. Huh? Yeah. That's a great answer. Because yeah. in, yeah. in, in a, in a, in a uh, what do you call, society which is fit and polished, the army is fit and polished. There's a clear chain of command. You know, when I was joining the army, because my grandfather was in the army, my father was in the army, yes, I was in a military school. We had General Chaudhary come in during my founder's day. And uh, we mucked up on his, uh, he was a cavalryman. So we were trying to do tent pegging for him. Okay. You know, and uh, the daddy cups were kept right in front of the peg. So the horses started shying and running all over the place. So, you know, <laughs> so we were really embarrassed. So he called us all and said, don't worry guys, it happens all the time. Okay. And then he recorded me and said, you're the school captain. I said, yes, sir. He says, are you going to join the army? I said, yes, sir. I said, I want to join the 51st Cavalry. So he says, firstly, you've got glasses. I don't think you'll get the regiment that you want. 
And secondly, let me take you aside because I've been talking to your principal about you, and you're a very unique boy. Hmm. In a state of war, you will probably make general faster than anybody else. Wow! But in a peacetime army, you'll get cashiered for insubordination. <laughs> okay. So he says we just had a war in '65. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And we're not likely to have another war because you should give them a pasting. Okay. And, uh, you know, so uh, uh, you're going to be joining a peacetime army, which is all about spit and polish and rules. Hmm. And you, as I know you, have thrown the rule book out of the window in your life. Hmm. And I've decided that you're not going to follow anybody's rules. Okay. Okay. So I suggest you join something which will encourage this behavior, not the army. Because you're going to get court-martialed. Okay. So I took him very seriously. Mm. And I said, okay, scratch the army. That's the end of playing polo for, uh, for free. Because we're, yes. <laughs> we're the only guys, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're the only guys you can afford horses. Yes. You know? <laughs> so I said, okay, let's polo, not anything else. And uh, what do you call, uh, it was much later in life. At 40, I, did, I realized the sport which I could actually put my soul and my heart and my passion into. And at 40, I discovered scuba diving. Yeah. Scuba diving. Scuba, scuba. Okay. You know, and it changed my life at 40. So you that's what gave me a second leash of life. Not to like being born again. Okay. You know, so there was, having given up my main uh, uh, occupation, which was playing polo in the evenings and checking out the, uh, the embassy chicks during the day. <laughs> so, I mean, that dream went out of the window when he turned around and said, you're going to get cashier for insubordination because we follow the book. And only in a state of war do we not follow the book and throw the book out of the window. Okay, because everybody read the same book. Yeah. What he said was perfectly correct. He said, yeah. if you're fighting the Pakistanis, they've also studied the same book because the British taught us both the books. The British army trained both arms. Yes. So everybody knows the book backwards. So if you follow the book, they know you what you're going to do next. Yeah. So if you're going to, if you are going to have an element of surprise, which is actually the difference between defeat and victory, then you have to start throwing the book out the window. Hmm. And okay, but you can do that in a, in a state of war, but you can't do it in peacetime. So hmm. he said, you better join a peacetime thing where you can disrupt it and get away with it. So when I joined advertising and I wrote to him and I said, sir, I joined advertising. He said, great, it's a new profession. Nobody is going to join it for a long time. You'll have very little competition. And the fact that you're going to be mucking around, throwing the book out of the window, means that you're going to be setting the rules of engagement. Hmm. And you'll be fine. And, they'll, and you'll get a medal. <laughs> you know, or some award or something. Yeah. Uh, something or another. So he was bang on. And he understood exactly where I was coming from in, in two hours. I mean, that is what called, that's what's called leadership. Yeah. In two hours of talking to me and watching me and talking about me to my principal, my teacher, he figured out that if I joined the army, I would get ruined. Hmm. And that I should join a profession which was so stabilized that the rules were already set of engagement that to join a profession which was relatively nascent and new, where I could rewrite the rules. Yeah. Okay. Now, what has happened from then to now is that the profession has become hardened and they call it professionalism. See, they say it now, we are now becoming professional. We have MBAs in yep. advertising. We have this, that, and all this shit. And those are all paper rubbish. 
you know yeah. what they've actually done is they made it as standardized as banking and yeah. as boring <laughs> yeah and i can i say something in here like one big yeah. difference i'm seeing and you know i do see i do have uh, i do i work in a career where i do see advertisers i do see advertisements yes the big difference which you've been saying something which i caught on to is movie versus advertisement you've been saying movie like you when you started making movies you never yes. said you made an ad right that's a big big no. difference right no i'll tell you what what the difference was that we believed that if you told a story in 30 seconds yeah. people could take it away yeah. if you just showed them pretty pictures in 30 seconds they would love it for the time that they saw it and they would forget it half an hour after they watched hmm. and they would never remember the brand yeah. and the whole exercise to me when i was taught advertising from scratch by shambhanigal who was my mentor yeah. he said brand 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 that is your story if the brand is missing from your story your story is not flying because somebody is paying for you telling a story which makes no difference to anybody because there is no brand in it yep. so we grew up understanding that the brand is not an inanimate object the brand is a person yeah the brand is the hero yep. the brand actually fights the bad guys and wins the lady and hands it over to the other hero Yeah, and says, "Yeah, since I'm a brand and I and I can't do anything with the lady except be consumed, <laughs> you can have her." <laughs> yeah, since you're my two I see. So he always read into our heads that Amitabh Bachchan, Amir Khan, Shah Rukh Khan are not the heroes of your film. Yeah, the heroes of your film are Pepsi's, are your brand, whatever else that you do with them. because at the end of the day they should turn around and say it's not an amir khan film it's a pepsi film yeah. it's not an amitabh bachchan film it's a pepsi film yeah. okay and we managed to do that yeah you did we we created a body of work where the heroes were important because they lent a certain degree of credibility and watchability but they weren't the main thing in the film the main thing was the brand How did you get these crazy? The How did you get these crazy ideas? Okay, like well, you know, some, some of them the are. In the beginning of my career, uh-huh. in the beginning of my career, to be very honest, I was hooked onto something called Mad Magazine. I don't think you guys have ever. No, no, I've read it. Went out. Of- no, no, I'm that old okay. enough that I've read <laughs> Mad okay. Magazine. Now I was hooked on Mad Magazine. Ninety percent of all my scripts came from inspiration from Mad Magazine. Oh wow! Okay. You know, so if you read Mad Magazine, you understand how whacked out it was. You know, and how they broke all the rules. Yes, they were. And how they looked at the same thing that everybody looks at in a dull and semantic manner, in a completely different way. So you know, there were stories like uh, slightly squeamish stories, but there were really wicked stories. There were stories like one day they used to say one day at this was that. So there was this story of this little kitten hanging around on this tree. Okay, and uh, everybody is under the tree and saying, "Oh, little kitten, come down, little kitten, go, poor little kitten." And then suddenly, one fire engine arrives. Ding, 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 screech, and the and the and they should put in all the sound effects like words. And then the ladder is to go up. Swoosh! Yeah. And one young, good-looking fireman leapt up the ladder and climbed up to the kitten and brought it down very gently and and left it on the road. Hmm. 
And then everybody said, oh, what a hero, my hero, my hero. And all. everybody forgot about him. Mm. And they started looking at the fireman. He got into his fire engine and he said, right, bye guys. And the fire engine went ding, 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 ding. And the kitten ran across the road, squelch. Ouch. <laughs> that, that, that is what I was brought up on. So, you know, to me, nothing was tragic. Everything was funny. Even tragedy has a funny side to it. And I learned that very early. You know, so I learned in real life to laugh my way through everything. And never take anything seriously. Okay. And I, it, it came up in my head. Hmm. That they were genuinely funny ads because yeah, you looked were. at them from a completely different perspective. Yes. Like imagine you know, Amir Khan so, getting rammed by a car because he's running for a Pepsi. Right? Like he really... Right. Like, <laughs> like it's bad. He almost did that. Yeah. That was almost there because when he was running for the Pepsi and there was a traffic jam, the car came and screeched to a halt in front of him. He leapt over the bonnet. Yeah. You know, literally. Yeah. And that was bad. Yeah, to... <laughs> what? It was bad and people didn't remember that, that screeching and he getting hit by the car. People no, no, but, remember they, but, but the they car. remembered but they remembered him sliding under the door. Yes, they Because do. the, the door was closing, you know. Yes. So, everybody picks up different things at different times. Yeah. You know? And all, But everybody picked up the fact that Ashwarya Rai arrived for three seconds in the film mm -hmm. and just knocked everybody sideways. And she was not even Miss India at that time. You almost she discovered... She was nothing. I couldn't resist, but had to ensure and include the famous advertisement of Pepsi, Yahi hai right choice baby, aha, uh -huh, which was a slogan in my younger days. And I wanted to share it with my audience. So listen in. Hi, I'm your new neighbor. Can I have a layer Pepsi? Uh, yeah, sure. Talking about Ashwarya Rai, and it's not just her, even Mahima in that ad, right? She was yeah. probably very new at that time. It was, it, it was the first ad. Every, yes. It was everybody's first ad, including Amit. Yes. He had never done an ad before. So, you discovered people, like, the story I know about Ashwarya Rai, how you, she was an architect who came for an interview in your office. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no. She came, she came for an audition in Kailash Surindranath's office. Okay. To, to to audition for the little film because they because they found that the little model was getting a little old and a little droopy mm. in the watsits and so they needed to change her to a young one. Okay. You know, the, the little if you notice for yep. twenty five years they never changed the script. Yeah. Only kept changing the model because she kept getting old. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <they laughs> <did>. <laughs> yes. And it survived actually for twenty five years. Yeah. Right? No, that no. Had... See, Levers had a Levers had a policy, yeah. and they said if we don't understand it. And if it's working, don't touch it. Hmm. 
and they did that with two brands. They did that with Little, and they did that with uh, what you call Lalita Ji. The Lalita. They couldn't understand why women loved Lalita Ji, yeah. and why men hated her. You know, because she waved their finger at everybody and lectured everybody, and said, "Some samajdari nahi, khairdari hai," and all that sort of thing. And men, you know, hate women wagging their finger at them. You know, and women said, "She's the one. She's in control, and we want to be in control." Yep. You know, so until she wore herself out, they used her for almost fifteen years. Yeah. Like, like they used little for twenty-five years. You know, I'll tell you a story about little. This is digressing, but it's very no, no, no. Please, please. These stories are amazing. They, uh, they found that little wasn't selling in cities anymore. It was selling like hotcakes in small towns and will and in B and C class towns, but in the big cities where it had really taken off mm -hmm. as a as a tremendous young brand with bikini, waterfall, tattoo, nobody has attempted that. Yeah. It, it had plateaued and I was dropping in sales. This was twenty five years later. Yeah. Okay, so they were pulling their heads out and saying, "Now what to do? What to do? What to do?" And they tried out all sorts of things. It didn't work for them. And then some idiot looked up a research. Which was done on the sexual habits of middle-class families and joint families. Hmm. Okay, and what it said was quite scary. What it said was that women who sleep in a room full of people yeah. and are newly married, what do they do for sex? Okay. They can't sneak out into the into the lawn and lawn, no, or yeah. there's no lawn, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the five people already in the room. So that is why they wear a sari, wow. because the sari can be thrown over the head. Okay. Okay, That's... and then they keep their keep their mouth hand in their mouth so they don't make too much noise, and they at it. Okay. Now the fact is that everybody in the room knows they at it, <laughs> because you can't be that noiseless. Yes. Okay. But nobody lets on. Hmm. That's the beauty of a joint family. Yes. That the privacy exists in your mind, not in fact. Yes. Okay. Now, if you don't have privacy during your sexual habit, when do you have privacy in your whole life? Yeah. When do you have privacy? So tell in me, the bathroom. That's the question. It's a bathroom only. Correct. Yes. Correct. Having a bath. Yeah. Okay. And what do you dream of when you have your privacy? What does a woman in a middle-class joint family dream of? In the bathroom for those fifteen minutes when she's having a bath in a bucket of water. I haven't read the research. Freedom, freedom. Okay. Freedom. She's watched all the time. Hmm. There's somebody with her all the time. She can never go off on her own and do her thing. Hmm. So she's actually trapped, not only as a kid because she's too young, but even after marriage because she's married into a joint family. And she's always escorted wherever she goes, out of concern. But the fact is that she loses privacy and freedom. So, what represents freedom for this little girl in a middle-class town? Is this girl in a bikini under a waterfall going la 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 la? To her, that's the ultimate symbol of freedom. Hmm. That's a profound research. Yeah. So. Which is why I was selling like hotcakes in small towns, yeah. and not selling in cities because they they had grown out of it. Yes, 
it was no longer a novelty after 20 years of bathing under a waterfall in a in a in a, pair, in a bikini which was also not really a bikini yeah people had gone on to real bikinis and gone on to the beach and gone to goa yeah i mean what is the big deal yeah so only in small towns and joint families did be a novelty because it was it symbolized freedom mm-hmm. for every woman who was living in a joint family it didn't matter what age she was okay so they discovered this totally by accident okay and so you said as oh, idiot oh. an idiot discovered this right like why that what idiot i mean he realized like that was yeah. no idiot meaning he was doing the reading on the side you know, because he wanted to see exactly how these small town girls did it in case he ever had to go for on a tour to a small town and you know, <laughs> had to sell so oh, you know, that is why idiot you know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It was. It would have been some trainee in Divas who said, "Aga, you Jumri Talaiga, or sell so, you know." And and poor chap would land up in Jumri Talai and then wonder what to do for company in the evenings. And so he was reading up furiously about <laughs> how people get laid in small towns and how he could sneak into that room full of people, you know, if at all. <laughs> and that was it. And that's when he discovered shit. This is why they're buying the soap. <laughs> Okay, so always remember one thing: whether it's research, whether it's quantum maths, whether it's outer space, whether it's nuclear fusion, if you cannot weave it into a story, it is not palatable. Everything has a story, and everything starts like the Superman, who takes one ekara and sings a ballad of heroes. and demons hmm. and the battle between heroes and demons so remember one thing in indian mythology the beauty of it is nobody is ever one neither the demons nor the nor nor the uh, nor That's the correct. devtas and the last battle that they really fought was about the pitcher of amrit hmm. and it was snatched and taken across the sky and five drops fell on earth in five holy places where you have the kumbh okay and finally they agreed to disagree and whatever it was the the the, the abrit was actually in some way shared because it meant eternity hmm. so uh um, the, the search that all mankind is in for is to live forever yeah and all research lots of money lots of millionaires billionaires why should i have to die Why can't I live forever? I've got such a fabulous life. I've got so much money. I can do what I want. Hmm. Okay, and so they put in a lot of money in researching why people age and die. Yeah. And if they found that pot of amrut, they would not die. Yeah. So it's it's what they call you know the uh, it's it's a it's a uh, non-solvable problem. Okay. Hmm. Okay. and all advertising all advertising at best mm-hmm. gives you the dream that okay while you are alive you're going to be your best you're going to look your best you're going to perform your best you're going to be a killer you're going to be successful you're going to be do whatever the hell you are okay so if advertising doesn't connect to the dream mm-hmm. then advertising doesn't succeed it advertising does not tell you a story mm-hmm. that advertising is eminently forgotten 
So talking about the rule books and you said throwing it out of the window and mm. the feedback you got, but kind of fast forwarding a little bit, you've started a school now where you teach young yeah. people about brand and entrepreneurship within that space and advertising, as well as your entire business about scuba diving, which I believe is a yes. flash for the but those are very rule oriented. So how do you fit in that? No, they're not. <laughs> No, not they're not. At school. <laughs> no, not at school. Okay. You should come and attend a class, and you'll understand what it is. We first lay down the rules. Okay. That there are no rules. Which are almost hundred years old. Okay. Yeah, business is hundred years old. You know, um, uh, being an entrepreneur, being being an industrialist, or being uh, in businesses, very very old. Yes. So that is not the, the criteria. The criteria is that. They are all enshrined in some memes or some idiot, who, you know, written 100 years ago, what was relevant. It was relevant then. Mm -hmm. It is no longer relevant today. Yeah. Okay. But the kids are still bloody well mugging it up and studying. Because that's what they get in the exam. Guess what we give them in the exam? So now you spent your whole term studying the rule book. Your <laughs> exam is going to be how to rewrite it and break all the rules. That wow. is your exam. And you can carry anything you want in it, including your grandmother. <laughs> Which means that you can go into an exam with your computer, with your textbook, with your grandmother, with, the, with your uh, physiotherapist, with your massager, and everybody. You're all welcome. Mm -hmm. Because you have to think from the seat of your pants how to break the rules and make sense. And there's only one law which is never broken. And that remains enshrined. And it says to break the rules you have to know the rules. Yeah. So when they break the rules with logic hmm. and with sense, then I don't have to worry about them knowing the rules. I know they know the rules. Yeah. And what I promised them is that if you break the rules and if it makes sense to me, I will teach that in the next year. Wow. So it's experiential learning every year is completely... Every new. year, yes. Every year, everything changes. Nothing is the way you look at it. Look at what technology has done to not just education, but also to the way we conduct business. Today, if you're not familiar with the technology, you're dead as a dinosaur. Yes. Whether it's in filmmaking, whether it's in business, whether it's in digital media whether it's uh, uh, approaching youngsters, how do, what do you think Modi did? Yes. He realized that young people between the ages of 19 and 25, which is the majority of this country, yes. never vote. Mm -hmm. Because they feel that they don't make a difference because they, uh, they're educated and they're, they're talking about, not about communalism, casteism, and tu kon hai, or main kon hoon. Yeah. They're talking about, mera kya hoga kal, yeah? Their only question to the politicians is, Or should I dream about running away to America and that's only going to remain a stillborn dream now that Trump is there, he's got cut off all their wings. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> other than swimming across the Rio Grande and then tunneling under the wall, yeah. <laughs> that's all you can do. You know? That's the only thing you have left. Yeah. And, and the funny part of it is nobody's realized this. But Mexico realized this much earlier than anybody else did. Because the maximum amount of illegal immigration came from Mexico, even more than Punjab. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I smiled when you said Punjab. <laughs> you see, so uh, the fact is that they made illegal immigration into an art form. Yeah. And then, if if their visas were easy to get to go to Mexico, then everybody in the whole world would arrive in Mexico and try and bloody tunnel across to America. Right. So they said, "No, brother, we don't want the whole world coming here. We only want our Mexicans to go to America and earn a living." So visa. what do you call getting a visa to mexico is the most difficult visa in the world do you know that yes i know that it takes 18 months 12 to 18 months and the kind of documentation you don't know the china the china torch up your ass to see whether you're clean because it has to then come out of your mouth <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and probably if they find something you're done right? yeah. you, you, you may get done. a us visa but never a mexican visa right never yeah exactly so you know the the thing is that everybody everybody in this country every student in this country dreams of migrating or running away or becoming illegal kabutar as they call them they call them yes. kabutar yep. you know to, uh, to europe or to america okay you guys are mago now 99.9% of them are not going to be able to yep. so uh, modi found out that the, they never watch the tv they never watch the news They don't believe in anything. They only watch the internet. They only watch what they, what each other says to them, and somebody tells them the truth, and they figure out the truth somewhere, mm-hmm. the political truth. Okay, nothing is there. There are no sides there. Yes. So he decided to great crash the party, yeah. and he got a crew together, which was single-mindedly to work on digital media to try and engage with the people who are nineteen to twenty-five years of age. and he said that if the country goes on the tubes so will you hmm. so if you don't vote the country is going to go down the tubes but if you stand up and be counted you have no idea how many of you are there yeah. 75% of this country is below the age of 30 yeah and so now is your time because you can choose the government you want yeah. and you therefore your future yeah okay he made this argument to them i know because i did some of those things oh wow okay yes. and he, he said that i know that your primary uh, pri- priority is always going to be to run away to america or to europe yeah but i will give you a second option you can stay in india because there are a lot of people who are willing to come back from there yeah. and come back to work in india mm-hmm. there is a reverse what do you call uh, migration app yes it is okay Mm-hmm. Ah, so he said, "Look at that. So you have hope, guys. But as long as you make me prime minister, I will keep your hope alive." Yeah. Okay. Nobody factored in COVID. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different thing. Yes. So he was very successful. So what happened was that whereas the vote bank, when you had votes, nobody actually goes to vote except the poor in this yeah. country. Because they realize that to them it makes a difference who is coming into power. Hmm. So it used to be fifty-four percent to maximum sixty percent. Yeah. And suddenly it went up by some twenty percent. Yeah. It was almost close to eighties. Seventy-six. Yeah. Seventy-six percent of the population registered yeah. actually voted. Yeah. In two thousand and fourteen. And he came in in a landslide because who voted? It was the kids. 
who had never voted in their life before. So he was very successful in engaging with them. Yeah. So a lot of product stories actually took from that and said, Daddy Hell, if we can engage in them, wow, what is wrong with us? Agreed. The problem, what is wrong with them was that, I'll tell you what the problem is with us today. He said, you know, we traditionally have given so much weightage to age. Think mm -hmm. that hai to wise hoga. I agree. But there's another animal on the block today who's so dexterous because he's been born with a bloody cell phone or a computer. Hmm. They're the 25, 24, 25 year olds. Yep. And they are far more familiar with the technology which you're struggling with. Agreed. As a, as a 45 plus. Agreed. Management has to get into partnership with the youngsters. They cannot turn around and manage them. You cannot manage somebody who knows more than you do. Agreed. So, you can't manage them. You have to give them your wisdom and you have to take their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And both teach each other. So, the partnership is between senior management and the junior most employees. Mm -hmm. And they form teams to protect each other. Very interesting. Yeah, you're so true, right? Today, everybody talks about millennial management and there are so many companies yes. who are miserably failing in managing that. Completely. To your point, they are trying to manage. So the word, so yeah. I've said the word management is now obsolete and completely like the dinosaur. It's dead. Yeah. Do not use the word management because you're not managing anything because you don't know. Yeah. So use mentorship because mentorship means that the mentor learns more than the mentee. Any mentorship, because in our college, we only have mentors. We don't have teachers. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, you form partnerships with the kids. Hmm. Now, I found over many years of mentoring young kids in my office mm -hmm. that I've learned more than they have. I've only taught them a skill. They've taught me life. Hmm. They've taught me how to be young. Very interesting. So, what and you've developed so many prodigies of yours over the years, right? Because you've mentored them. Any particular ones you've been really proud of? Very, the whole lot. There are 200 of them right now. Okay. They run 60% of the advertising film business in, the, in this country today. Wow. Okay. And if you look, if you throw a stone, you'll hit an ex-Genesis person because he stands out. Even today. And there used to be a recruitment policy at one time in lots of offices. I know that for a fact. He said, Yaar, mujhe wo, uh, Genesis ka koi ex Genesis ka dundo, I, I want you to take an interview. Hmm. Because if they've survived with me for two years in the Genesis School of Hard Knocks, yeah. <laughs> then not only... <laughs> yeah. Because not only were they then survivors, yeah. but they were also exemplary because they had ambitions of their own which we fed all the time because we always gave them credit for the work that they did. We never took the credit from them. So why did, people fail? Of why did people fail Pardon? in Genesis? Why did people fail in Genesis? They, so you said there were a few. They gave up. They gave up. Okay. They just couldn't handle the stress or the pace. And they had to only keep up with me. And I was still 45, 40 years old. And they were all 19, 20 years old. They had to just keep up with me. That's all. Hmm. 
and I did sixteen hours, seventeen hour days on my feet. Wow! And they just dropped. So I never sacked anybody. Okay. But they just left because they because they no they just left because they knew that it it was not possible for them to keep up, and that they would then be picked out. And uh, they also left because they were given no work okay. because nobody could trust them. You see, the ownership of work was so tremendous in the office mm -hmm. in terms of decision making. Even the PN could make a decision on my behalf. Uh, and you know, today no you, hear about, you hear about these management styles in many. No, no bullshit. You <laughs> yeah. cannot today in today's time. How can you manage somebody who knows more than you do about the digital world? Yeah. Because that is the world we live in today. Yeah. We are doing virtual classes. I'm doing virtual interviews. We're doing virtual classes with fifty, sixty students. We're doing virtual seminars. We're doing virtual webinars. God alone knows what else we're doing. Wow. So everything has gone digital because of course COVID has actually hastened the whole process. Yeah, it is. Because if you hadn't been locked down for four months, then we would have been stumbling along on crutches and trying to make everything work. Yeah. Because everything collapsed, you have to start from scratch. Yeah. So work from home became the idiom. Now, for advertising people, it was terrible because at least when you got out of office, you were over with office. Yes. Now you're never over with office. You can get a call at 12 in the midnight. You get a call at 2 in the morning. Boy, your client had not get Yes. And now with so, all the restrictions, you do not have that luxury. You can keep retaking or redoing things which you had in the. No, no, you can redo it. You can redo it. But the fact is that you are on call 24-7. You are like a doctor. Yeah. Without taking your hypocritical oath. Without taking the <laughs> damn oath, you are still like a doctor on call. You are sleeping with the phone next to your pillow. You and your wife with one pillow away. <laughs> Instead of the other way around. Yeah. And <laughs> if, 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 when the wife goes to the shrink, guess what she tells him? I hate his phone. Yeah. He's more married to it than married to me. My wife should not hear this out. Actually, she would say the same thing today. She says it also. So talking about family, right? You said it was difficult for people at work to keep up with you. And you're married. You have three kids. If if I've read a little no, no, no. bit about you. Listen, I, I, I'm married. Yeah. And I'm married very wisely. She didn't. I did. Okay. 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 Because I lumped her with the kids. I lumped her with running the house okay. and I also lumped her with running the office and its finances. Hmm. So I was free. Hmm. So the only fight you ever had was when she said, you are going to lose money on this project because you are going out of budget. So I suggest you curb your instincts for flamboyance. Okay. And I would say, how many projects have you lost money to date? Hmm. So she'd say, four. And say, how many projects have you done? And she said, 10. Hmm. I said, that's a damn good average. Let's go for it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good probability of success, yes. No, because, I mean, when it came to the pursuit of detail and, and, and doing it exactly the way we wanted to, 
we let nothing come in our way, especially money. And today, a lot of compromises are being done because of money as well. Uh, See, what has happened is yeah. that, no, what has happened actually is that I'll tell you what's the difference. Is. In my time, the agency was a part of the production crew. Hmm. The client was the enemy. Hmm. Today, the agency has become a suit. Hmm. And the creative is so dull and like Bridgewater that they force their creative onto the producers and say, this is what it is and you have to follow the, the, the board. You should never follow the board. If we didn't think the board was worth it, we never followed it. Hmm. And we were adding and subtracting all the time. Wow. And when things started getting tough, because I'll tell you when things started getting tough, when you got a video out, in the beginning, nobody could look through the camera because only the director and the cameraman could look through the camera. So yeah. nobody knew what they were shooting. Yeah. Then they got a gizmo called the video out. Yeah. So they had a video signal which came on a TV. So everybody could watch the, what you were shooting. Hmm. So clients started interfering with the lighting. Then they can we have a little more light on our face? They say, fuck off. Yeah. I mean, Sita is a suit. We're giving you a monitor. We're giving you beer. We're giving you food. Now just shut the fuck up. Yeah. And, and when they said, we, you have to follow the board, we said, fine. So we wrapped up the board like really quickly. So one one take. Hello, storyboard nikalo. Agency ka storyboard nikalo. Take one. Right. Good. Very good. Next. Take two. Fine. Very good. Wow, wow. Clapping and all that. We could finish the damn film, which was boarded in half the day. And we had actually aimed for two day shoot. And we spent the next one and a half days shooting our version of the film. Okay, very interesting. All right. Okay, so you know, if they were really bolshi, then we said, fine, we'll shoot your board. Mm -hmm. And we shot their board. Mm. And we said, any suggestions, any changes? Do you want to do anything right now with the board? No. Is this okay? This is fine. Everybody was on, on, on uh, this looks okay. Everybody get into a huddle and take a consensus of the whole thing. They can do one more take. I said, I, I, I don't think you need it. You really need one more take. We should fight them for it. They yeah, please do one more take. Then we'd consent and say, "Acha, chike, ek aur take le." You know, one more take. Big deal it was. Yeah. And for our version, we took ten takes, no problem. Okay. Okay. Then we had edited two versions, hmm. and we showed them their version to the uh, the heads of the HODs or whatever they were, because they were not a party to the PPM and all this shit. Yeah. And they didn't come for the shoot. Only the juniors came for the shoot. Yeah. Okay, so the agencies were now carrying the can because they had vetted everything. Yeah. And the agency was versus the client. And the client, the big boss of the client came to and said, this is shitty. I don't, it makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. And they said, but, but it was approved. So by who? Nobody wanted to take names. Hmm. So they said, okay, what changes do you want? They want all bloody thing changed. I don't think there's anything salvable in this film because it's 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 shit. It's boring. It's pedantic. It's predictable. Hmm. Okay, so we turn and say, okay, we've got another version, which is nothing official about it, hmm. like the Pepsi film, <laughs> and said, do you want to see it? Hmm. And nobody objected because this film was shot down anyway. Yeah. So he saw it. He said, ah, 
that's not like it. Huh? Why do we have to do like that? He says, we did. It's just that you have to pay a little extra for it because we did it at our own cost. Hmm. I said, extra? Why? You did it on my shoot. I said, yes. But this is what you asked for. This is what everybody approves. And this is what I gave you all. This is what I did out of the goodness of my own heart. I'm not asking you the full cost of the thing. I'm asking you for a quarter of it. Hmm. So you'll have to cover me for my creative charges. You'll have to cover me for the extra effort that you took. And you'll have to cover me for the one day's extra shoot that you did. That's all. So your entire crew knew that you're going to do two shoots, but to the agency... But they always knew. <laughs> they always knew. Okay. They always knew, and even the agencies knew by that time. Okay. That, yeah, this film, this script change karne wala, shoot pe. Because I should never argue with them at PPM. I used to sit through a four-hour PPM, fast asleep with my eyes wide open. <laughs> it's an hour. I would love to learn how do you do that. that, that that's a, that, I'm telling you, it's an art. You know, Ronnie Screwala only named his book that. I'd like to see him do it. Okay. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's an art. Believe me, you, you keep nodding your head about whatever they say. Wow, you bought the time. And then the PPM finishes without a hiccup. Everybody is happy. Everybody gives them the model. They select the model. Everybody, you know, that only leaves them. Say, this is what I recommend. This is what you can do. These are choices. And for Ashwarya Rai, believe me, we gave them no choice. Okay. I did a video test. I took it to Delhi. I flew to Delhi to get approved because she was very important. She's the punchline of the film. Yes, she was. So they, they, they all sat down. Everybody came on a Saturday to office, especially to see the new Pepsi model who was going to close the film, you know, and everything. And they saw her and they all said, Nice. Now, what else do we have? I said, we don't have anything else. Hmm. He said, What's the, what does that mean? You are you're not going to give us a choice? I said, listen to what I'm saying very carefully. And take it home and understand it. They don't make them into... Wow. You're so rapt about her, right? She went on to become the Miss World. No, I knew it. Yep. I said, we'll just be wasting time and wasting money looking for somebody who even comes close to us. Yeah. That's it. I'm not giving you a choice because this is the one that I want. Period. So I'm giving you no choice because you never know which your idiosyncrasies you might choose some really ugly duckling at because she looks like your daughter. <laughs> no. <laughs> no harm to the other uh, men who have daughters, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, everybody yeah. has this thing now. Yeah. My daughter is the best-looking thing in the world. Yeah. Every parent believes that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you so, know what? Go ahead, go ahead. In the beginning, we did this because we, we spent that time and effort to make two versions. Hmm. After a while, people started realizing that you are not let him do it. Hmm. Let him do it the way he wants to. And nine times out of ten, is right. And I've taken the responsibility. Say, if you don't like the film at the end of the day, I will redo it at my cost, not at your cost. You just have to give me a little more time. And we did that all the time. We never even showed it to the client. We used to see films in house and look at them and say, does this deserve a Genesis label on it? Hmm. And people say, no, man, it was a really bad script. I said, that's no excuse. 
Why did we accept this? Once we've accepted it, it doesn't become their problem, it becomes our problem. Now we have to rescue this film, we have to reshoot it if we have to. And so I have to go back to the client and say, sir, we want another week. Say, why? What happened? Says, we're going to reshoot your film. Says, why? I said, it was a disaster. So I'm not even going to show it to you because I'm, I'm very ashamed. But we'll do it. We'll do it again. We'll show you something that you're happy. It's such important to uphold your own brand before you uphold your client's brand in your own eyes, right? Oh, you see, for us, it wasn't commerce. We yes. earned a living out of it, yes. yes. But we weren't dependent on it totally for a living because our reputation, our passion, our commitment was far more important than the commerce. What happened today is that we were, I'll tell you, in my time, there were 15 to 20 film producers yes. altogether. So we were to compete against each other. And we, it ma made a lot of difference to be half a percent ahead of the rest. Yes. Okay? In terms of detail, in terms of taste, in terms of color choices, in terms of models, in terms of everything. Okay? Today, there are something like 900 producers. Wow. Vying for the same product. And I keep telling my Genesis people, if you, when you go out there and start becoming your own producer, remember one thing. Your first five films of your career will determine which bracket you live in. Hmm. So make sure, even if you have to spend money from your pocket, sell whatever you have to, including your house. Hmm. Make sure your first five films are exemplary. Yes. Because then people will sit up and say, who is this? Who made this film? Where everybody does. Hmm. And when they suddenly see a newbie on the on the tracks who made the film, they say, hmm. We won't have to fight with Prahlad Kakkar who says, this is my rate, take it or leave it. <laughs> yes. He's Prahlad Kakkar's protégé, so he'll not say take it or leave it because he's starting off in life. Yes. So he'll do it at cost for us. So let's go catch all of them. He's done some great work. Okay, so, you know, I, I used to always tell them that if you do work like I do, then you will only be a copy of me. Yep. If you think independently and you add value to it independently and you own the job instead of doing a job, then you will be special. Hmm. So, we, our training for them was not really filmmaking that anybody can learn. Yep. Our training for them was three, threefold. One was God is in the detail. Yeah. Okay. You must never do a job. You must own the job. Hmm. Decision making at any level is the most important asset that you have, even if it's a, you think it's a wrong decision. Because there are no wrong decisions. There are only better decisions than, and better decisions. But there are no wrong decisions. Hmm. Wrong decisions are not making them when you're supposed to. Okay. Like what happened with uh, Ericsson. Yep. Ericsson was number one brand in the world. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was the first phone that launched the phone that you could hide in your hand. Yeah. You remember that Ericsson film? Yep. That, uh, that uh, uh, what do you call, uh, Piyush Pandey wrote? Yes. Where the girl is talking on the phone and this guy thinks that he's, she's talking to him. Yep, it is. And she says, join me for dinner. Yeah. And uh, then she takes her hand away and she looks at him and says, one black coffee, please. <laughs> yes, I remember that. And he's 
and he's stranded. Yeah. <laughs> he's stranded. Yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, the, the, you know, there was a huge insight in that. Anyway, yeah. so what happened to Ericsson? The younger people in the company who were non, who were being managed, mm -hmm. were saying, "Go analog." I mean, don't go analog. Go uh, Android. Yeah. Go Android now. Yeah. And they said, "No, we are number one in the world. We'll go when we are ready." Yeah. yeah. Why would you want to hurry it? We want lots of time. Yeah. And what happened to them? They, they never made the decision. Yeah. They died. Yeah. So there's a huge, uh, what do you call, lesson in that. What happened to Kodak? Same thing. They are still suffering. They didn't right? go digital. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at these companies. They were earth-shaking companies. They were billion-dollar companies. They weren't some chiller-miller thing. Yeah. And they just crashed and died. And, you know, hearing you out, PK, it's so interesting that you're so well-connected right now, even in this DNA. Why did the industry give you a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2003? Like, what was <laughs> <laughs> they, wanted to, <laughs> they, they wanted to get rid of me because, I, one, I was foul-mouthed. Then I'd call somebody an asshole. If I thought he was an asshole, it didn't matter who he was. And there's still clients who have become chairmen of their companies who have written in their brief to the agencies, if Prahlad Thakur is on my set, I will take the film away. So they're all wondering what happened. When I was a trainee and I came on his set and I wanted to look through the camera, he called me an asshole in front of everybody. <laughs> so he's carried that. He's nursed it. And carried the grudge into his becoming a chairman. And he's never grown out of it. I mean, just look at <laughs> calling him an asshole. I was so right. Because he was an asshole. Then he's an asshole now. <laughs> yeah, because when I was reading about it, it was like 2003. And in 1998 or 1990s, you started your scuba. And you become a master then. You were young yeah. enough to get a Lifetime Achievement Award. It's, it just doesn't add up. I was like, I need to See, ask that's what, you, 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 you Have you ever asked anybody for my acceptance speech? No, I haven't. It was hilarious. Firstly, I'd written it on a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I went on to the podium and I said, you know, normally we give this award to people who are one foot in the grave or already buried. Okay. You know, the lifetime of your world who's mostly given postmas. Yeah. So why the fuck are you giving it to me? I, I'm still in the saddle. You know? yeah. So anyway, I said, uh, uh, thank you for this, thank you for that. And then the bloody toilet paper roll fell down from the podium and rolled across into the audience. <laughs> and I ended my speech as saying, shit, there goes my speech. And then I said, <laughs> <laughs> Then I said, okay, in case you are thinking that I'm going to retire to the hills, in case you're thinking that you see no more of me, in case you're thinking that you will not hear my raucous laughter at, at your stupidity, in case you're thinking that I'm not going to call you names, fuck off. I'm still in the saddle and I'm going to die in the saddle. <laughs> so you can do what you want, but you need a crowbar to prize me out. Mission failed. We'll get him next time. <laughs> And God give you more health on that point. I think that's, and I think I, I still, <coughs> so are you doing any ads right now? Or is it Off and on. Some of my old clients wake up and, and, and persuade me to come into something. I'll say, okay, fine. I have no interest. Great. 
and how's the uh, scuba classes and you still teach people you still we, go through okay? of, of course i mean that's my what do you call it? that's what keeps me alive wow meaning i i'm about to move the scuba class from the, we moved the scuba school from uh, um, what do you call lakshadweep to the andamans and we have also built a resort around it so that you can also now put up people oh. that's one of my bucket list i want to become a master because i'm a big water baby as my everybody at home and everybody tells me about hey, big what water the hell are you doing as soon as this covid uh, what you call lockdown is lifted gather your uh, chads your swimming trunks yeah take a toothbrush you can borrow the toothpaste and two t-shirts that's all you need definitely it's called it's called tra- It's called traveling light. Yes, and a and a pair of flip flops. Yep. Because scuba is such a, especially if you throw me in water to swim, I can stay in that water for an entire day. Meaning that's how yeah, but water that's, baby. That that's what that's what you evolved out of, man. Yes. All life evolved out of the ocean. Yes. And we still have memories of that. Yep. Innately. You know the body body still remembers. living in the ocean underwater definitely i was reading a meme if it wasn't a fish uh, they actually have the fish name if it huh. wasn't that fish which came out of the water decided to come out of the water the world would have been a beautiful place it was it's so true exactly <laughs> was so true yeah meaning i would have loved to be so a mermaid uh, than to be a human being walking the the land right now. <laughs> a merman <laughs> a merman <laughs> probably doesn't don't mind being a mermaid too actually uh, so. true they're better looking <laughs> see see there's another thing that yeah. the youngsters must must understand yes is that whatever you do however passionately you do you have to reinvent yourself every five years oh, yeah. and who can teach you that better than the younger people who come in in five years from now to for you to teach them for them to teach you mm-hmm. so if you don't follow a mentorship program with all your energy yes to pass on the legacy onto another batch of young people hmm can you never grow so true cool pk i mean i don't want to i know you have a memoir to write as well and we are <laughs> i don't want your publisher calling me hey you owe me money as like no no you uh, what, what what your publisher going to turn and says give me uh just of what he talked to you because i'm going to put it in the book because he hasn't put it in the book <laughs> he says i've already been there done that with the podcast so i'm not putting it in the book <laughs> <laughs> i'll give him my transcript <laughs> yes <laughs> now this has been really fun um and i've thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm sure the people who are going to listen to it uh my listeners are going to definitely enjoy it um it's been amazing speaking to you and i'll definitely look up your program and see if i can attend one of your classes actually and see how different it is i would love to you must you must it's it's wild it's mad the language you will will warp your ears sure like i don't mind that language <laughs> but i would love to see how the and you know i did my mba 6 7 years ago and i was the uncle of yeah. the class and people were making uh. fun of me but i said through it i still do it right no uh. and would love to come and be part of your session Or, you know, no, no. I'd love you to be a part of our mentoring program because you you can talk to them about radio if you want. You can talk to them about life. You can talk to them about anything you want because at the end of it, it's not 
what we teach them that they will apply. They will not because by the time they are applying it, it will be obsolete. Whatever we are going to teach them. So what we are going to teach them which will outlast the being obsolete part of technology is the life lesson. Is what to look out for. What are the value systems to create? And if they remember those, they'll be fine because the because the technology will keep changing at a rapid rate. And that they, if they have to survive, they will have to be on top of it. But that's a given. But if they know their north, you see, teaching kids their north is the most important lesson in the world. And it has to be done in conjunction with the parents because the parents can't be left out of that, that, uh, that particular lesson, which is your north. Because you're, when people say, what is the north? Is it the North Star? I say yes, it's the North Star, but uh, it is a symbol for the North Star. What is your North? This is the difference between right and wrong. It's your way home. When you lose yourself in a society that is in such turmoil, yes. where you don't know what is right and you don't know what is wrong, the difference to make out what is right and what is wrong is your way home. Home is safety. Yes. Home is security. So you have to know what is right and wrong very clearly, right in the beginning of your life. Well said, sir. On that note, thank you for all your time and life lessons and analogies and great conversation about your advertisement experience. I think that's so great. I really appreciate that. Thank you for taking time out. No, no, not at all. And we've left half of it out to so the next podcast. You'll fill in the rest. Definitely. You let me know when you're ready and I'll definitely do it. Thank you for listening in. And we close yet another episode of Masters Decoded. If you've enjoyed the episode, please, you can help us out by sharing it on social media. I would personally appreciate that. It's how we can reach more listeners. And the more listeners we have, the more awesome guests I can get in touch and convince to participate in these conversations that are a joy to have for me and I hope they are a joy for you to listen as well. You can also help a lot leaving reviews on iTunes or your podcast service of choice. Reviews are surprisingly helpful in supporting the podcast to get to more listeners. If this episode has intrigued you, I would request you to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date and get notified to the future episodes. With that, I bid you and see you in the next episode.